What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Bermuda Championship. A quick note off the top. Remember, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to go live. Bermuda Championship live chat for all your questions, checking in on ownership, final discussion. Obviously, this stuff evolves over the course of the week. So make sure to tune in Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on the Rick Rungood YouTube channel. A couple of other things. Winners from last week. I drew two names for a subscription to rickrungood.com. It's where all the tools and information that you see in these videos comes from. It's my website. Uh, Charlie Wooding and Robert Softig. Hope I've said those correctly. Congratulations, you've won. I've already reached out to you and I've already sent you the information to get you all set up. If you would like to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to do it this week. If you are here on YouTube, uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Click the like button and tell me your favorite golfer under $8,000. Yeah, it is a pretty deep uh, field or weak field, I should say. So 8K should be a lot of fun. 8K or under, tell me your favorite golfer in that range. The other way, if you uh, leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, say something nice about the show, leave me your Twitter handle. That will get you into a draw as well. Link to the podcast is in the description. It is called 300 Yards to Unknown. I did want to get into a little bit of a, of a, of a recap from last week. I want to start working this in um, as I gave out that survey a couple of weeks ago, a lot of the feedback was, hey, we should, you know, is there any video that looks back? Uh, and there should be, right? I mean, there really should be. So um, I'll try to make this very quick. Patrick Cantlay wins the golf tournament. Uh, I was in no way on on Patrick Cantlay. Um, I think he showed up well in the model. I kind of dismissed it. I said that, um, you know, the outlier was his three good rounds at the Shriners and that his game wasn't very sharp. And then he goes and almost goes uh, bogey-free for the entire tournament and, and, and wins this thing at 23 under par. It was a phenomenal performance. I had none of it. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, we were all over JT. We had a lot of sweats all week long. We had guys in contention. Um, you know, I'll go through the fades and the sleepers real quick. You know, the sleepers, we had Bubba who ended up finishing in a tie for fourth. We had Munoz who finished 14th. He was your first round leader. I know he cashed a lot of those bets. I'll talk about those in a second. Uh, made a couple of eagles, so he really outperformed himself in terms of draft king scoring. So very happy with both of those. The other sleepers were Answer, who finished in a tie for 35th. Jordan Spieth, T41, but three of his rounds were really, really good. Uh, one was the Saturday round was terrible. And then Taylor Gooch T35. So I think we did pretty good on the sleepers. The fades, I think we did pretty well on as well. I, I said, uh, I faded Xander who finished in a tie for 17th Rory, who also finished in a tie for 17th. And quite frankly, if they both didn't go ham on Sunday, uh, it would have been a lot worse than that, but neither of them obviously paid off their value. I faded tiger T72, uh, wolf, T50, and then the one I got wrong was Henley, which was uh, him finishing in a tie for fourth. Uh, in my defense, uh, it was nothing about Henley's game. It was more of a game theory fact that he was now $1,000 more expensive. He was $8,100. That's why I stayed away from him. I was wrong. Should have went back to him. He was absolutely great. I did get a lot of screenshots, both on Thursday for Sebastian Munoz as a first-round leader. Uh, let's see, Raptop, uh, first-round leader, 66-1 to 1 on Sebastian Munoz, 60 into 13-40. Uh, Tommy D., 
10 into 670, 66 to 1 first round leader. Aaron Irving, cash the first round leader. Bustin Jabcock, uh, Zach Cohn, uh, Thomas Loden. Looked like they all have Sebastian Munoz first round leaders. And then there were winners on uh, Jock Market, which we'll talk about on, on Wednesday in depth. Uh, I won on a bunch of shares of Bubba. Steve Frazier absolutely smoked Jock Market for the week. Um, and there was one really, what was the one? Oh, Joshua Renshaw turned 58 into 892 on DraftKings. Um, Chris Vasquez listened to the First Cut podcast on uh, Saturday night into Sunday morning. I got a bet in on Patrick Cantlay. That cashed it 12 to 1. So if you don't know him, I host the CBS Sports podcast. It's called the First Cut Podcast. We do round-by-round recaps. Uh, so like a lot of times we'll be like, oh, this guy's moving in the right direction. He's 12 to one, stuff like that. Pretty good. Listen. And then this one might be my favorite. So Cole clear says I subscribed to Rick run good during the CJ cup. And this week he won an eight man, seven way round Robin. He said the sites, tools, and stats made these picks so much easier. He turned a $1. I don't know if I recommend this round Robin, by the way, $1 into three sixty $367, which I think is, um, I think is hilarious. I think it's awesome. So congrats to everybody. We'll try to keep the momentum rolling into uh, this week. A lot of good stuff going on, but let's jump into the course preview. Port Royal Golf Course on the island of Bermuda. Uh, a couple things out of the gate here. So the way that I usually compile the data is from uh, the Golf Course Superintendent Association of America. They are the authority on all this great information and uh, types of greens and 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 how many bunkers there are and all that good stuff. Now, obviously, uh, Bermuda is is not in America. So, so they're, they're not part of this organization. So, uh, I have a little less information than normal, but let's, let's talk through it. So we've got all the big stuff here, right? It's a par 71, it's 6,800 yards and it is Bermuda grass. So again, that, that, that grass type usually comes from, uh, GCSAA. I was able to source it through a couple of different sources. Confirm it is Bermuda. It's a Robert Trent Jones senior design. The big takeaway here for me is, uh, 6,800 yards. And I tweeted out this fun fact. This is the longest Island, uh, longest course on the Island, uh, there in Bermuda, but this would be like the second shortest course on the PGA tour. I think only Pebble beach is shorter. So, uh, while, while it's long by Bermuda standards, it is certainly not long and it's actually very short by PGA tour standards. So that means your, uh, your shorter hitters, your guys that, uh, you know, obviously distance is always an advantage, but the, it's not necessarily a prerequisite for success this week. And then of course it is going to be a resort course, right? This is where you go on vacation, you play. So typically what we see is um, some flatter greens, a bit of a birdie fest, a lot of scoring, but that is very much dependent on weather, right? On wind specifically. When you get these uh, coastal courses so close to the ocean, uh, if the wind starts kicking up 25, 30 miles an hour, these guys are going to have a heck of a time. So keep that in mind. And and, and in, in that way, um, you know, the winning score is, is, is really, uh, it can be all over the place. If they get four days worth of wind, it'll be a lot. 
lower scoring or higher scoring, however you want to put it, uh, compared to if the wind lays down and this just turns into an absolute birdie fest. Uh, and then the other thing is because there's only one year's worth of data, this is very similar to what we did for Sherwood Country Club last week, because there's only one year's worth of data at, um, at Port Royal Golf Course, uh, there's not enough to run the correlation model. So you are seeing uh, the... the um, mo most average key stats here on the key stats tool, but you can still go through this entire field and see, you know, like there, I think there are a lot of shorter hitters who hit their irons well and putt well that are back in play this week. We're going to talk through those guys here in just a second, but uh, while distance is great, I mean, you saw Brendan Todd win this tournament last year. He's one of the shorter hitters on the PGA Tour, finds a lot of fairways. I think that there are some discount versions, essentially, of Brendan Todd, who leads the way at 11,100 this week as we flip over to the 10K range on the cheat sheet. Brendan Todd, 11,100, the only player in this field who made the trek from Sherwood, the Zozo Championship, to play this week. Every single other golfer uh, did not play this week, and no one else from the Zozo uh, came over for this. And it's obvious because Brendan Todd is your defending champion. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, his outlook for this week, I I I'm not nearly as high on him as I have been. Uh, I believe he's been, he's been dealing with a... Oh, I don't want to get this wrong. I think it's been a toe issue for Brendan Todd, but more specifically, I mean, we can just look at, um, you know, we can look at his recent form and we can see some of the events that he's had. And that, that stretch of golf that he just played the two no cut events in a row, uh, didn't play particularly well, you know, a 47th at the Zozo, a 52nd at the CJ cup, the really concerning off the T numbers. Um, now I, I mentioned it before. It's not like, it's not like Brendan Todd is a, a, a driving maven. He's, he's, he's not obviously, uh, but he usually doesn't lose that many, you know, over the course of four rounds, he might lose one or two strokes. He lost, you know, nearly two and a half the Zozo he lost nearly five at the CJ at the CJ cup uh the putter's still there which is all fine and dandy but unless he figures it out in the other three aspects of the game I think it's going to be tough sledding a bit for Brendan Todd and and quite honestly as the most expensive golfer I, I, I'm just not really all that interested I think there are much better options in Will Zalatoris at 10,009 um you know I don't think I've tweeted this out but it, Will Zalatoris now has uh three Top eight finishes in his last four starts. Those are his four starts this season. Uh, now goes back to 16 of his last 18 starts between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour. Does he have a top 20? So he absolutely dominated on the Corn Ferry. Didn't get his card because uh, COVID retaining all their PGA Tour cards for, uh, for for all the PGA Tour players. And, and now Will is just a handful of points away from gaining that special temporary membership status uh, on the PGA Tour for the rest of the year and then setting himself up for uh, achieving his card next season as well. So it's it's almost, you know, I don't want to call it a guarantee, a lock, uh, but I mean, this is obviously a really good spot for, for Will to accomplish that, get his tour card and solidify his future. Um, what I, I tried to make this argument uh, earlier about HV3. HV3 for me at $10,700 um, and also at what his betting odds are, which is about 20 to 1. Last time I checked, I can pull it up here. Yeah, 20 to 1. This to me is not as appealing uh, as I think I'd like to be. I'm a big fan of his game. I understand that he's a great ball striker. I understand he's coming off a of uh, top 15 at the Shriners and he pops here and there. And he's a bit volatile, but when things are going well, they're going really well for HV3. 
it's weird. I'm so much of, of a believer in his game that I actually would prefer him in another tournament. Like when he's 8,500, when he's 7,500, I, I think he's not, you know, th- you know, he might be 66 to one in a couple of weeks um, at, a, at, a, at an event where the field is a bit deeper. I don't think he's three times as likely to win this event as he is an event you know, a month or two from now. So I, it's actually weird. I like him so much. And I think so highly of his game that I, I, I don't think now's the time to buy on him because it's not like he can only win in this field, right? Like I, I, I don't believe that to be the case. Um, you know, I can give the, uh, obligatory, you know, doc Redmond Redmond speech here, which is the guy is just a, a, a great ball striker, arguably the best ball striker in this field. And actually we can, we can look at some of the best ball strikers in this field. We can go over to the Strokes Gain database and we can go to the Holy Grail, my favorite tool in the world. I've loaded in the Bermuda Championship field and let's just sort this by, hmm, what do I want to do here? Approach? Let's do approach. That's Oliver. Um, We're having a little work done outside, so he's a little excited. Bear with me. Appreciate it. We'll try to keep him quiet. Um, Let this load real quick because I've got a lot of data. Oh, and actually I want to do this from, let's do this from, uh, let's do the restart. I always, I always love to use that as our, our uh, time frame for, for, for filtering like this. So here we go. So since the restart, uh, when you start to look at strokes gained approach and then you have to look at how many, you know, rounds these guys have. Will Zalatoris, or I I should, I shouldn't even skip Justin Suh. Justin Suh is first, 1.6 strokes on approach. Um, but I only have four measured rounds for him. Will Zalatoris, he's second. I only have 10 measured rounds for him. Wesley Bryan, more on him in a second. Um, he's third. I have 22 rounds. That's a pretty good sample. When you get to the biggest sample size, 40, it's Doc Redmond. When you start to get of anybody over 23 rounds since the restart, Doc Redmond is the best approach player in this field. Then you tack on another uh, quarter of a stroke per round off the tee. He's been knocking at the door. He has a, a, a third place finish at both the Wyndham and he has a third place finish at the um, Safeway this season. And, and, and you know, it's weird because he kind of gets, I don't want to say forgotten a bit, where, where he's in a really awkward spot right now. So so Doc is, I think, clearly part of the class of this field, but he's not necessarily in the in like that next tier up. So he was an alternate at both the CJ Cup and the Zozo Championship, which are these really, you know, top-heavy elite-level fields, but he's like the eighth alternate. So he doesn't he doesn't get into those, but he's clearly better than the guys that are in this field. It's just like he's kind of in this awkward spot right now, and as his official World Golf ranking continues to improve, um, we're going to see him in some of those events that are that are more invitational, that are that have um, a, a bit more of a closed uh, a closed field. So. Uh, it's kind of awkward right now, but I think he's in a really good spot, of course, at 10,400. The 9K range. I find the 9K range to be interesting. You know, Charlie Hoffman has popped up a couple times over the last couple of weeks, uh, but he's just, he's, he's a very volatile version of himself right now. He's $9,700. You know, he misses the cut at the Shriners. He missed the cut at the Wyndham, but in that stretch in between, he had three top 15 finishes. I, I get it. I'm not loving it. Um, I, I do give a nod a bit to uh, Denny McCarthy, Henrik Stenson, and probably Christopher Ventura in this 9K range. And, uh, you know, Denny McCarthy, we can talk about Denny here. Let me, let me, and, and I've talked about Denny a lot. So if you don't want to hear about Denny, I get it. But we haven't seen him play in a couple of weeks. And I think this is a, another really good spot for him. Um, 
you know, we've talked about this stretch of golf from the 3M Open until now. Uh, how how much his approach game has improved? Now, the putter is always going to be there. He's one of the best putters in the world. We know that the approach game is 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 getting better. This type of course, where if it turns into a putting contest, should be good for Denny McCarthy. I don't think that's any different than what I normally say about Denny McCarthy each and every week. Henrik Stenson is only interesting. He's missed like three of his last four cuts. He's only interesting because of that piercing ball flight that when he's on, um, things go well for him. You know, that top 25 that he had at Corrales Punta Cana, it's because he's got that piercing ball flight. If the wind does kick up, if it gets a little uh, blustery out there, uh, Henrik Stenson becomes more and more appealing for me, but then I think really the maybe the objectively best play in the 9K range is, is is Christopher Ventura. So here you've got a guy who's coming off a miscut at the Shriners, but he's he finished uh, sixth at the Sanderson, seventh at the Safeway, and I want to pull up his uh, his strokes gain numbers here for a second because I think he's a really interesting player, and he's one of these rare players. Um, I don't want to say like Patrick Rogers. We might have to talk about Patrick Rogers in a bit where uh, he gains strokes off the tee and he gains strokes putting. Uh, It's kind of a rare combination. And and usually at some of these shorter resort birdie fests, that plays well. So I'm interested to see if he's able to bounce back off that miscut at the Shriners. Um, You know, a place where he, I mean, he's, he, you know, I don't want to say he's had success. He made the cut the last time he played at the Shriners before just a couple of weeks ago. I, I think his game is maturing, and you can see. I mean, he had a stretch early in his career where he missed what, like, ten of his first thirteen cuts, something like that. Now in a much better spot, starting to turn the corner. This is what maturity looks like. Uh, the game is maturing on paper, right in front of our eyes here. That's what it looks like in the Strokes Gain database. The eight K range. You know, this might be. Um, this might be a stars and scrubs week, which is kind of scary because even the middle guys in this in this field are kind of scrubby. But hear me out here. Um, like the, now, the middle guys in this pricing tier who are normally down in you know th- like they're not that much better than the guys that are in the seven or the six k range because the margins are so thin between probably the players that are. 100 to 200 in the world, which is kind of what you're seeing a lot of here. So I kind of like just taking a lot of the win equity at the top for the few guys that eat up the vast majority of it. And then just saying, you know what? It's razor thin down the bottom of the sevens. Uh, maybe the top of the sixes. Let's load up on guys there. I, I obviously it's early in the week. Haven't started creating lineups yet, but I think that's a a, a valid a valid reason a valid thing because there's really not anybody in the 8K range that I like. There's two names that I think are most interesting. Justin Su, 8700. We'll pull up his strokes gain database here, and you have to remember he came out of that graduating class that was. Uh, so highly touted, right? I mean, remember the press conference? It was Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, and Justin Suh. Now, obviously, a much slower start to Justin's career than those other guys who, what, all have... I guess Wolf doesn't have a win yet, but, like, are all just now studs already, it feels like, on the PGA Tour. And and Suh missed... I don't want to count all the... Like, 12 of his first 13 cuts, something like that. Now, he's made two in a row. He finished 14th at Corrales Punta Cana, which you could argue, we can argue correlated, correlated courses. I think, I think Punta Cana is what, past Palm Green, so that's not what you're going to get here. But that that tropical, coastal course where the wind could kick up, you could make some arguments about it. And then Shriners. He finished 8th at the Shriners, and the way he did it, gaining over 
Six strokes on approach, by far the best in his career. Unfortunately, we don't have shot link data for Punta Cana. Uh, so I don't know how he did it at Punta Cana. I just know that he finished inside the top 15. I don't have the strokes gain numbers on it. And also, I guess that I guess we won't really have strokes gain numbers this week either. Right. I mean, usually the, the, the tour doesn't take the lasers overseas and do all that stuff. Right. It's usually like North America is where you get that stuff. So um, I don't think we're going to have shot link data this week. I'll confirm that, uh, especially in the live chat. We can talk about it. So I'll have that information by then. Actually, I can probably just show you. I can probably just find out right now if they have it. Um, actually, I think they will. According to the shot link site. They're going to have shot link at, at, at Bermuda this week. So fingers crossed. We'll see. Uh, but anyway, I think he's an interesting play. And then the other guy here, you know, I, I know it's been a couple of weeks, but we, we have to mention Adam Shank. He is now, I think he's at 10 consecutive events making the cut. Uh, there are only four guys with a longer active streak on the PGA Tour. It's Rory, Xander, Hovland, Rom. That's it. And then Adam Schenk. Think about that. So if you're looking for a guy, unfortunately, 8100 is a bit more expensive uh, than I would like for just the guy who's going to make the cut. Right now, he had a great finish. One of his better finishes in that stretch. T27 at the Shriners the last time we saw him. But I, I wish he had a bit more upside than that. But I, I have to point out, if you're looking for a safer option... Adam Shank, $8,100, has made 10 cuts in a row, and it is the longest in this field. Obviously, those guys, the other guys I mentioned are not playing this week. You guys are going to kill me, uh, but let's look at Patrick Rogers here in the 7K range. He's $7,900. Uh, and I actually want to look up, let me see if I have Rogers' salaries from... Okay, so he was... 8,200 at Sanderson. He was 68 at Shriners. He missed the cut in both of those. Now he gets a much weaker field and he is 7,900. Um, let's look at his data here because he is, in theory, the guy that should find success at this type of course. Uh, he hits it far. I think he's, uh, last year, I think he was 27th in driving distance. I'd have to go check, but he hits it far enough. He usually putts well. Uh, I get it. I get it. I saw the tweets. I got it. He lost nearly seven strokes putting in two rounds at the Shriners. He lost nearly three in two rounds at the Sanderson Farm. But if you're looking on the video version of this, before that, he had gained strokes putting in five consecutive events. And he had gained strokes putting in like, I mean, look at this, in like 18 of his last 20 measured events. So he's obviously a very good longer term putter than what he showed in the last two weeks. Now, I actually think that there is something where these could be outliers for him, where he loses nearly seven strokes putting in two rounds. That could be a big outlier. And also when you have a couple of weeks off, which is what he's had, right? Cause he hasn't played it to, to really hone in on that one thing. That's really been your bugaboo. Uh, and, and historically you are good at that. I'm willing to forgive and forget. You know, we'll check on Wednesday what the ownership number is on on Patrick Rogers for this week. But man, I I just maybe I just can't quit this guy. I, I might be I might be a glutton for punishment, but I I just really think he's a lot better than what he's shown over the course of the last two weeks. Wesley Brian. $7,800. I actually, so I've, uh, you know, pricing c comes out so late these days. You know, I'm writing up the articles for Golf Digest and all that stuff. I had written up Wesley Bryan and then I got a tweet from somebody. You know, I, I'll just paraphrase it, but it was like, this is the perfect spot to play Wes Bryan. 
he it's a great course for him. He's been hitting his irons well, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, like, I agree. I completely agree. Let's look at this. So Wesley Bryant, strokes gain database, please. So he hasn't played a lot. Remember, he, I mean, he's been coming off that major medical uh, where he missed like two full seasons. So he, ha- he hasn't played all that much in the restart. He played one, two, three, four, four times last season. Then he played the Safeway and he played the Sanderson Farms this season. Uh, the good news, the approach game is there, right? His irons, uh, he has gained strokes in six consecutive events on approach. Uh, some of them he's gained big. He gained big at the Travelers. And then you, what you're starting to see is this. Off the tee, which we know is not Wesley Bryan's game. In fact, it's the worst part of his game. He's like 205th in driving distance. He's like, like there, there will be some times where I might catch one and get it out further than him. Eh, maybe not. But, but like, we know that's not his game. But look at his last four starts. He's gained off the tee in each one. There, it's it's a minuscule, just absolute tiny number that he has gained. But when you look back historically, lose three, lose two, lose four, lose three, lose seven, lose two, lose five. I mean, like he went, I want to get this right, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 events in a row, losing strokes off the tee, and he's gained in his last four. Hmm. Has something changed? Has he figured something out? Did he get a new... I don't know. I don't know any of the answers to that. But but for him to lose 17 in a row and now gain in four straight is mind-boggling. And it's indicative that maybe he's starting to figure something out. He's not going to be Dustin Johnson. He's not going to gain six strokes off the tee over the course of a tournament. But if he can play tour average, let the approach game take over, and then he's he's been able to catch a hot putter at times. His putting is very volatile. You know, he he gained five at Sanderson. He lost three at the Wyndham. He gained three the week before that. He lost five two weeks before that. Like, he's all over the place. But if you can run a hot putter with the irons and the approach game that you're playing right now with the tour average, the field average off the tee game at basically the shortest course you're going to play all season long... It's Wesley Bryant. Like, I I agree with that Twitter comment. Like, all signs point to Wesley. Uh, this could blow up in our face, absolutely. Like, there's a reason that he's, you know, 70-whatever hundred that he is, $7,800. This could blow up in our face in a big way, but it, it really does make sense. Um, Johnny Vegas is 75. I, I, I was shocked to see Vegas this high, quite frankly. He's been in a really bad stretch of golf. I know he's a more established pro. I'll, I'll make this quick on Johnny Vegas. Um, you know, he's, he's missed five of his last six cuts. The, the issue is his weapon, which was the driver, which you can see for a long time. You know, he would gain basically a stroke around or three quarters of a stroke per round off the tee. He's much closer to the field average right now. Uh, he's still gaining a bit, but like when you lose your one weapon after like many years of being good, at, like I, I, I'm concerned this is indicative of a of a larger trend for Johnny Vegas. Um, can he pop off in a certain week? Of course, I I, I will not have uh, have much on him there because I just I just I, I'm concerned. That's a big red flag to me. Uh, the bottom of the seven K range. So you have Doug Gim here. Let's look at Doug Gim. Because he's another one of these guys who, you know, younger guy, still trying to figure it all out. The game's maturing a little bit. Uh, what's more interesting about him is he's he's more volatile, which I guess is sometimes good. He's either going to miss the cut or he's going to finish you in the top in the top twenty five. So here are his last 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Last nine starts, he's missed five cuts, and he's got uh, a top 25 in each of the other four. So it is really hit or, hit or miss with him right now all over the place. But I like the way that he's doing it. You know, this this that nine event stretch uh, still very much at, at field average or better in strokes gain approach. The ball striking numbers look good. It, it, it's just the putter. Sometimes the putter goes really, really cold on him um, and he loses like three or four strokes over two rounds. And, and that's it for Doug Gim. But uh, that's such a volatile statistic. I would not mind investing in it. At seven that uh, seventy one hundred dollars, you know I said it might be a stars and scrubs type of week, uh, but looking at the sub seven k range, the six k range, man, it is it's really ugly. Uh, there is not a lot of confidence in, in in many of these guys. Now a lot of them are going to have to make the cut, right? There's probably fifty guys sub seven k, so some of these guys are certainly going to make the cut, which would be uh, really all you're asking for. The one that stands out the most to me is probably Michael Gligic. Uh He's sixty five hundred dollars. He missed that cut. Um, when would that have been Corrales where I think, I think we were kind of at uh, critical mass for a guy whose name is Michael Gligic. And, you know, I don't know what he was 12% owned, something like that, but that feels like critical mass for him. Um, you know, missed the cut there, but he, he made the cut in each of his last two starts. He had a 27th place finish at, at the Shriners, you know, uh, I, that now makes him, I'll, I'll look this up just so I don't get this wrong, but he's probably made six of his last seven cuts, something like that. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, five of his last six, uh, which is reason for optimism, especially at $6,500. Just find a way to find the weekend. If you want to look at guys that played here last year and had a bit of success, you know, David Hearn had a top 10, uh, Fabian Gomez, who else? Seamus Power. Listen to these names. Bo Hogue, Ryan Armour, all down here had top 10s. Is this Aaron Baddeley or Brian Gay? Brian Gay finished third here last year. So those are the guys. I'm not particularly loving any of them. Man, I wish I could even give you better names here or like one more name. Um, oh, you know who we didn't talk about? Wait, let me see if I can find him here. Where is he? I've got to load him in here. So I'll load him in here ASAP here. But at $8,800, it's, it's it's Rasmus Hogard. So here's a guy who plays primarily on the European tour, which um, I'll pull up. Uh, I don't know if you guys know that I, I have this. I've got, uh, I've, got, I've got Euro tour stats on the site. I've got a couple Euro tour stats or a couple Euro tour tools. Uh, Rasmus is, I, I don't know a lot about him, but when you look at his world ranking, which I think he's inside, inside the top 75 right now, you look at some of the runs he's gone on. He had this stretch of golf from the Betfair British masters to the UK championship where he went second, sixth, third win. How about that? Um, he's like 18 years old. I think he turns 19 in December. Like he is so young. He was born in 2001. It's like mind blowing. Uh, a lot of upside. This is a field, like, let's be honest. This is a very weak field. It's a field that will be weaker than a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot. Some of the European tour events that he has played recently. Uh, he's got a lot of upside. He's cooled off a bit. He's 8,800. I don't know how popular he's going to be. I've got to load him into the cheat sheet here. Um, some of those Euro guys, when they don't have a lot of data, uh, I have to manually do it. So I'll, I'll run that here quickly so that you can see him in the cheat sheet and you can obviously find him in the other tools as well. But like, he's someone that I think is, is pretty interesting, but I don't know. Is there anybody else here down the six K range that I might've missed, man, it's, it's really, really ugly 
in a week like this. I, I might just try. You might not be able to get two studs into this lineup. You might you might get one stud and then live in the bottom of the 7K range, something like that, to fill out the rest of your lineup. Um, we can talk more about that strategy on Wednesday during the live chat. So that, again, is Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, that is when we are going to do the live chat uh, youtube.com slash rickrungood make sure you get notified now when i go live um all these tools that you're seeing rickrungood.com sign up over there well worth it take you through the masters and then a couple more weeks after that if you have any questions comments concerns tweet me at rickrungood or leave a comment below best of luck this week and i'll talk to you guys soon